in a place to hear from God? You know, I say it all the time. Is there anything better than hearing the voice of the Lord? I, I don't know about you, but all of, all of the disciplines in my life, and I'm going to say this, whether I'm reading my Bible, uh, whether I'm fasting, uh, whether I'm meditating, whether I'm praying, all of it is designed to hear God. Amen. And how awesome it is to come to church and hear the voice of the Lord, to hear God speak to you. Amen. And how awesome that is that God would even speak to you while you're sitting in a padded chair, I mean, in air conditioning, right? How, how, can somebody say amen to that? How awesome that is that you could come to church and hear God's voice. I promise you what you're going to hear today and what you hear every Sunday. When I get on this pulpit, when I stand here, just know that I've spent a lot of time before the face of God. And I do that because I feel it's so important, so essential that you hear God, right? That you, that you can literally go home and say, I heard the Lord this morning. I heard the voice of God because I don't want you to hear me. I want you to hear Him. Amen. And it's His words that will set you free. It's His words that are going to strengthen you. It's His words that are going to work in you and make in you that beautiful image we call Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen to that? So look, I want you to stand, and, I, and as you're standing, I just want to give a little instruction. So as you're standing, let's go to St. John chapter 4. I want to say something to you instructively, something very important as we're standing and as we're prepping for the word of the Lord. Now catch this. I want you to understand that the purpose of this series, The Names of Jesus, is to produce in you a knowledge, an ability, so that when you pray or when you declare or when you have to take authority, you know that you're working in the power of the kingdom. How many know that your faith, how many today know that your faith has to be built up? Anybody know that your faith has to be built up? I don't know what's going to happen to you today or tomorrow. In fact, just this morning, somebody called me and says, Pastor, I'm on my way to uh, the hospital. A family member is deathly ill. And just when I sat down 10 minutes ago, they sent me a text, the person passed. We don't know what life holds or what the day will hold. But I pray that if you got a hold of Jesus, that whatever the issue is, whatever the situation is, you'll be able in authority to produce the power of God. And you're going to need that. Trust me, I'm telling you, you're going to need it. And this series, if you'll listen with spiritual ears, right? If you'll put aside all the, all the stuff that's going on in the week, I don't know what your plans are for this evening or this afternoon. I pray that today you would just simply allow the word of the Lord to fall upon your heart, that you'd be pliable and useful for the kingdom of heaven. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. I'm going to go about 30 minutes. You know, I don't go long, 30, 40 minutes. But you'll hear God if your heart is open, right? If you're listening with spiritual ears. So if you're in your Bible, I want to read St. John chapter 4 in this particular name that we call Jesus. How many know that Jesus is the bridegroom? Is the bridegroom. And I want to explain that to you today. I, don't, I, I believe that there's a lot of people that don't understand the rich expression of having a husband <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> How many know uh, to have a good husband like Jesus is something worth talking about? Ah, oh, somebody help me there. St. John chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading here at verse 1. Now, follow with me because I'm going to read all the way through verse 29. Now, you won't get lost in this. This reads as a narrative, so you won't have to really stop and you know, think through what we're saying other than to hear uh, the word of the Lord read. I think you'll see quickly uh, how this conversation matures as this is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. 
begins like this. St. John chapter 4, beginning here at verse 1, it says this. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. And notice this in parentheses, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar. And there's some of you, if you want to get a little deeper into this, you ought to see the biblical meaning of the word Sakar. It'll blow your mind. It says, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with the journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And some of y'all know how they count hours uh, in the days that Jesus sojourned. This would be 12 noon, right at noon, Jesus sat up against that well. The Bible says, And there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, or said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being the Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And then Jesus answered and said unto her, and I want you to catch this. He says, If thou knewest the gift of God, if thou knewest the gift of God, oh, that's so beautiful. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee, catch this, living water. <laughs> Anybody want some living water? I, I like that living water. And he would have asked of him for living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Watch this, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now I want you to notice the transition uh, in this story because we are talking about the bridegroom. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father, ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father. What does it say? In spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. Then saith the woman, I know that that, that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. 
When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou or what talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come, see the man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? You'll see why I give you this, th that chapter and read that. I had to read it in its entirety. And there's a lot more to that story. But you'll see why this is so intuitive in the understanding of our bridegroom. Will you pray with me? Let's get our minds together here. Let's get our, let's, let's get our, our minds purposed in the Lord. Father, we thank you for this awesome day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the purpose that we have here today, uh, Father, to glean, to understand, to take in, uh, to, to, to drink in your very word. I pray today for the family of faith and for the people of God to leave here equipped with the name of Jesus, with the understanding of how awesome, how, how extraordinary our Savior is, our Messiah is. I pray today that when the family of faith begins to understand that the name of Jesus, the names, the titles, that which is attributed to him is truly the story of the kingdom of heaven. It embodies all that you are, Father. That wherever we go, whatever may come our way, whatever trouble, whatever thing, that we would operate truly in the power of the kingdom of heaven. I pray your blessing over this message and over the people that are here, over the ears that will take it in, over the next several days and weeks and months as this message will be heard, I pray that it will have effect upon that those that hear it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, bring the kind of anointing this morning that makes preaching easy and listening fruitful. And we pray all of that. And no other name that we can pray, but that beautiful name we call Jesus. And we pray that. Amen and amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Well, you give the Lord a clap offering. Listen, before you're seated, go find somebody. Greet people in the Lord. I always feel this is necessary that you say hello. And when you find somebody, will you let them know that, that Jesus wants to marry you? Will you go tell somebody and say, Jesus wants to marry you? Go find somebody and say, Jesus wants to marry you. Jesus wants to marry you. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Say, Jesus wants to marry you. For those that are watching by stream today, let me say it to you plainly. Jesus wants to marry you. Jesus wants to marry you. If you're here and you're looking for a husband, you've got a good one already. Amen. Jesus wants to marry you. Jesus wants to marry you. We've got a husband like none other. Jesus wants to marry you amen that's a word right there that's a word god wants to marry you god wants to marry you how awesome that is how beautiful it is to see the family of faith i'm so glad to see you you ought to be glad to see each other amen it's good to be in the house of the lord it's good to get this time in today i know you've had a lot of things going on and if you're like me you know, Christmas is right upon us. I pray that we don't lose the meaning of Christmas, that we remember in all the pageantry that Jesus still is the reason for the season. Yeah. 
Praise the Lord. Let me, let me give you a verse. Let me, let me, let me start here. I, I want to give you a verse that helps you understand that God wants a relationship with you. And you have often heard it said in the church that, that we want you to develop a relationship with God. We don't want you to become religious. We want you to become relational. Uh, let me give you a verse. Let me start here. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 15. This is what it said. For you have not received, for ye have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. Watch this. But you have received the spirit, catch it, of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Let me, let, me, let me repeat that one more time for somebody because I feel like that sometimes that goes over the top of your head. He says, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, catch this, Abba, Father. Or, or, or better yet, uh, more plainly still, dear Daddy. Can, can you imagine just for a moment, think this through and, and apply it spiritually that of all the things, that all the qualities of God, all the things that God could have chosen to reveal himself to you, he chooses to reveal himself to you as a father. It is easy for us to assimilate that because most of us have some general concept, some facsimile, some knowledge of what it is or who is a father. And even if you're here and you've come from a single parent home, you know what fatherhood looks like. Or there might have been a father figure in your life. Or some of you that had a, a father or, or, or a dad or a grandfather or an uncle that stood in that place, stood in that state of fatherhood, we all comprehended what it is to have a father. God in heaven could have revealed himself in any mechanism he chose. He chooses to reveal himself to you as your father. You think that through. Apply yourself. In fact, could I suggest that when you read the word of the Lord, you see what happens in a religious place when people become religious, when they read their Bible, they read it religiously. And so when you read the Bible religiously, absent of the relationship, the things that God says seem hard and indifferent. But when you read your Bible, understanding that it is made and given to us through relationship, then you read the love and the caring and the caressing of the Father. Then you know that you are deeply loved because you're reading it out of a relationship. I think there's a lot of people today that their relationship and knowledge of God is strictly religious. And the things that the preacher says or the words that you read out of your Bible, when they fall on you, they fall on you hard because you don't have a relationship with God. Over the many years, there have been times where I've had to speak to my children quite plainly. And I had to articulate some difficult things and they had to comprehend them, but they knew that they were coming from their father. And if anybody has their best interest in mind, it is me. 
There's not one parent in here, not one grandparent. And I see some families, you, you, you come with your grandkids and you, you bring them in tow and you bring them to church. Nobody loves them the way you love them because they're your children. Could somebody say amen to that? I mean, I just want you to see God has my best interest in mind. That's why he says, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. Why? Because he's dear daddy. I love him and he loves me. He's my father in heaven. That marvelous. Touch your neighbor and say, you got a daddy in heaven. My God. I, I like that some of y'all, when y'all saying it, you're putting a smile on your face. You say, that's my daddy talking to me. That's my father in heaven. Could I suggest to you that there's even a more richer tone to God? Anybody want to go a little deeper? I think sometimes you, you got to get a little deeper in the word, right? And that's what I've come to do. So I spend all my life investigating the scripture. So when I come up from here, I can draw you into the depthness of God, right? There is an expression of God deeper than the expression of Abba Father. This expression of Abba Father is truly unique, right? To, to, to understand him not just as father, but dad, dear daddy. That's, that's rich in and of itself. But there is an expression of God richer than dear daddy. I, I, I want to quote another scripture. In fact, if you have your Bible, will you go there with me? This is, this is given to us by the prophet Isaiah. I, I want you to know that, that your father is intimate. <laughs> will you say that? Say dad is intimate. It's so important for you to understand that not only does God want a relationship with you, he wants an intimate relationship with you. Let me, let me say that one more time because, uh, you know, we're talking relationship. And I know when we talk relationships, some of y'all get nervous because it's so much easier to just be religious. See, if you're just religious and you just do things and, and, and you, you have rules and regimens that you follow, thinking that that's going to draw you close to God. But God says, no, I want to be intimate with you. I want to know you. <laughs> That's different. I, I, I want to invite you into that knowing God intimately. Are you there in the prophet Isaiah? The prophet Isaiah uh, give, gives, I, I chose this verse amongst many verses that I could have chosen. In fact, we, we could have gone even, even over to the book of Hosea, and I'll allude to that here in just a moment. But you're, you're there in Isaiah chapter 54. Slide your finger down to verse 5. And you're going to read something instructive of the Lord. This is the overview. This is the meaning why. This is the total sum of God's identity to his children. Let me say that one more time. This is the overview. This is the umbrella. This is the constant in God from both Old Testament to New Testament. This is what the prophet Isaiah gave to the family of faith, the, the Israelites, our family. This is what he told them about God. He says, for thy maker, listen, for thy maker is thine husband. Let, 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 let me, let, oh man, let me, let me stop, let me stop. Because now I'm getting intimate, right? Because he's not just daddy. He's your husband. Man, that's getting rich. That, 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 that's. So, so the prophet Isaiah tells, the, tells the, the, the children of God, your maker is your husband. Uh, the Lord of hosts is his name. Watch, watch, watch this. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, 
the God of all the earth shall he be called. He says, he calleth you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, a woman of youth huh, that was forsaken. Am I, am I quoting that last verse right? Are, are, are you there? Saith the Lord. Oh, uh, for he has called thee a woman. He's called thee a woman. Uh, uh, somebody quote that out. Just, just say it. For, uh, for he has called. No, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, are y'all in the King James Version of your Bible? For he has called thee a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. A, a woman of youth. Which was what? Forsaken. Which was refused. Thank you. Saith the Lord. That was the call to Israel. Your, your God is your husband. Do, do you know that the whole book of Hosea is dedicated to such? That he would call upon uh, the, the prophet Hosea to marry a harlot by the name of Gomer? That he might know what it's like to be married to Israel? Do, do you know that the, the story of the prophet Hosea when he married Gomer? That she was having kids and he was naming the kids. These are not my children. That at the very end, when she, when, when she went through all of the process, she had to be redeemed of Hosea. And Hosea had to go and purchase her. He had to redeem her and take her again to be his wife. This is the imagery of God to the church family. But your father sees us as his bride. You think that through. I, I, I can think of nothing more enduring. I can think of nothing more intimate in my life, relationally speaking, than the woman that sits there, the first lady. Uh, I know her and she knows me. Not only do we know each other, we know each other intimately. And your father in heaven sees you as his bride. Now, fast forward, if you will, to the New Testament. Oh, I, 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 I uh, just, while well, I was back uh, in, in the room just prepping and praying and, and, and just touching the Spirit of God just for a moment, he caused me to share with you something that I did not plan on sharing with you. In, in, in fact, uh, this, this idea, this thought, uh, this concept is lost, th this marriage concept is lost on the family of faith because the way they marry in the Bible and the way we marry in culture are two different things. And our customs and our norms, the way that we operate, when Jesus was talking to the people of his day, they understood him culturally. Uh, that's the problem with the Gentile. We don't have no history with God. How many know that when you get married, you better get that history? Anybody ever get married? You better ask them questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to somebody out there, you know. You know, I, I was watching a program the other day, and, and there was a guy, and he was on, you know, it was a, it was a podcast, but I was watching it there on Facebook, and, and, and he asked a young lady there. I, and in fact, I, I kind of got lost in, for a moment. He asked her, listen, before we get serious, I want to know what your body count is. Y'all hear what I'm saying, you know. 
You know, when you get serious with somebody, you start asking some real questions, some intimate questions. You want to know some stuff. I want to know who you've been with. I want to know what your credit score is. I, I want to know if you've ever been incarcerated. I want to know some things about you. I want to know who's your mama, who's your daddy. I want, I want to know how much you make. I want to see your W-2s, you know. We're going to take this to the next level, you know. You start asking some real questions. This is God saying, I'm going to get intimate with you. And I want to know you. In fact, I want to know you so well that we become one together. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Fast forward uh, to to Jesus. Uh, Could I suggest this just for a moment? Let me me just throw a verse. Everybody knows this verse. Catch this. Just listen to this. You've heard this before. John 3, 16. Everybody knows this verse. For God so loved the world that, that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life is the picture of marriage. You, you, you understand this. Watch. So, so, so let, 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 me, let me give a few inferences here that I believe uh, will help the family of faith. And in fact, you have your Bible there, right? Uh, go, 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 go with because you have to read this. This is intimate conversation. Go, go, go back with me uh, to, to uh, St. John. We were just in St. John 4. Go with me to St. John chapter 3. Everybody knows St. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. What we don't remember, what we don't remember is the context of why that was said. You heard just a moment ago, I, I, I kind of gave emphasis to the parentheses in the text, right? The parentheses in the text was that, they, that, that, that people were going to Jesus to be baptized, but Jesus wasn't baptizing anybody. It was just, just a thought. But they had told John the Baptist, John, listen, everybody's going to Jesus to be baptized of him. And what did John the Baptist say? And this is, this is what John said. He says, I, I'm a witness. I witness to you plainly that I'm not the Christ, He's the Christ. This is what he said. Are you there in your Bible? St. John 3, 29. He says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Are you there? Are are you there? Everybody got a funny look on your face. Uh, St. John chapter 3, verse 29. He says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, he standeth and heareth him. And he says, and he rejoices greatly that he hears, what, the groom's voice. And he goes, this is my joy fulfilled. He must increase, I must decrease. What is he saying? He's the bridegroom. Do y'all, do y'all remember the story in the Bible? I believe it's a Saint, uh, Saint Matthew uh, chapter 9 where Jesus was teaching and, and some people by faith uncovered the tiles of the of the roof and lowered a, 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 a siblings for there were four siblings one of them was sick of the palsy they lowered him with ropes uh, on a mat before the lord you remember this story and, and jesus told the young man when he came everybody said watch it and jesus said be of good cheer son thy sins be forgiven you and and everybody got upset that they have blasphemous no no only god can forgive sins and what did Jesus say which easy to say Rise up and mock, or thy sins be forgiven thee. He says, so that you might know that the Son of Man had the power to forgive sins. He told the young man, arise, take up thy mat, and go home. Immediately, instantly, he stood up to his feet and walked right out of the house. Uh, 
do, do, do you know that, that story, that, that actual story, St. Matthew chapter 9, and I'm just kind of flipping my pages in my Bible, that, that when you get down to that story, this is a story where Jesus calls Matthew. You know, he's passing by Matthew's house. He peeks in and he's collecting taxes. The Bible says that Jesus goes in and tells Matthew, follow me. And he left it all to follow Jesus. It just so happened as they went, as all those people that just saw that mighty miracle, they entered into a house and they started eating. And, and some people came by, some religious people came by and said, listen, told the disciples, look, your master, he eats with publicans and sinners. And this is where Jesus says, the sick, right, the whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, go to what it means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come, I'm not sent to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then they got on another kick. Y'all remember these stories, right? All these little passages, right? Where, where they got on another kick. They said, well, listen, how is it that look, I see you in there eating, right? They called Jesus a glutton and a wine bibber. He says, I see you in there eating. Why is it that the Pharisees fast and even John's disciples fast, but your disciples don't? And what did Jesus say? How can the children of the bride chamber mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? You see, when the bridegroom is taken, then shall they fast. You see, Jesus is the bridegroom. We don't catch this the way we're supposed to catch it. You know why? Because you're a Gentile. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't got no history with God. You don't even know the culture. How, how many know that we even know it just, just living in the world that, that every race of people has a culture, right? There, there's things, there's norms that they have. And, and, and sometimes you'll laugh at it, but you don't know it because you ain't lived it yet, right? And so, so Jesus is talking. The word of God is speaking. But because we don't have no culture, we don't understand where it's coming from. We don't interpret the Bible as we should, right? So, 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 so let, me, let, let, me, let, me, let me help give some culture. In the days of Jesus... Uh, in the Old Testament, and even into this present day, when finding a spouse, you see, uh, our current culture, y'all just go out there and y'all find somebody. You know, I don't know where you're going. I pray you're going to church, you know. But, you know, people just find people somewhere, somehow. You know, we find them at work. You know, you find them in the club. I don't know where you find them. You, 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 you was at the park. You, you were at Six Flags. I don't, I don't know where you were. But I want you to know that in biblical times, it was the father of the groom that chose the bride. Let, let me say that again. It, you know, we, 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 we hear that. It's a prearranged marriage. It's, it's where the father tells the son, I've selected for you a bride. I found her. Let, let me give it to you like this. Let, let me give you some intimate language that you wouldn't have perceived to be intimate, but I'm going to give it to you. St. John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Watch. But my father is the husbandman. You know what Jesus says? You didn't choose me. I chose you. Let me, let me say that again. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Isn't this the beloved giving us the true definition of love? And herein is love. And herein is love. Not that we chose God, but that he chose us. 
and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Y'all yeah. huh? hearing that? Uh, how, how many remember this passage? The beloved gives us this. There is no fear in love. For perfect love casteth out all fear. For fear hath torment. Anybody, anybody know these, these, these scriptures? We catch that, right? Uh, for fear hath torment. But, but I want you to hear the preceding verse. He says this. We love him. He says, and he that, is, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Anybody want to have perfect love? Anybody want to have perfect love? I want to have perfect love, right? I want my love to be perfect. Let me, let me quote that verse again in its entirety. He says, there is no fear in love. For perfect love casteth out all fear. For fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And then John gives you the definition on how to have perfect love. This is what he says. We love him because he first loved us. That's intimate talk. That's marriage talk. Because when you didn't even know yourself, while you were still yet estranged to God, he sent his son to you. I want that one right there. I choose that one. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. These are all intimations, spiritually speaking, of God seeking out his bride. Now, 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 we know how this is because even Mary was picked. <laughs> I want you to see that, that in this context, I want just, I'm just showing you how this marital vow, this expression of marriage is found in the person Jesus. He's the bridegroom. Now watch this. There is in the custom today amongst the Hebrew nation, the Orthodox Jew, something called a ketubah, which is a Written agreement. Do you know that in biblical times, when a father and a son decided on a spouse, they would go to the family of that spouse and to that woman, they would present to her a contract. This is what we're going to do for you. Uh, this is what we promised to do. We're going to do these things. We're going to provide for you these things, right? And, and this was called a ketubah. And after they came into that agreement, to seal the agreement, the custom was to drink a, 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 a glass of wine. Jesus at the Last Supper said, this is the New Testament. This is the written agreement. Uh, this is what I promised to do. Uh, this is what I am going to do for you. This, th this is the New Testament written in my blood. Take this wine. Drink this. Remember that this is what I'm going to do for you. Uh, and then the, 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 the Jew, the, in, in bringing that, that, that betrothed together, would bring what is called a moher, which is a gift. They would leave a gift there. That, that is the gift ensuring that the bridegroom will come back. In fact, do this for me. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. I, I want you to know something. Do, do you know that God, that Jesus <laughs> left a gift in you called the Holy Spirit? Anybody glad that you got the Holy Ghost? I mean, I just, I just want to see some hands saying, I want to thank God that, that the Holy Ghost came and, 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 and God made that deposit. Listen, today if you have the Holy Spirit, you have been sealed. Yeah. 
It's the ceiling that God said, I'm going to put a gift in you that's the guarantee that when I come back, I'm taking you back. I'm taking you with me. Somebody say hallelujah. How many are glad that the Holy Ghost is in you? How many are glad that he's moving in you? How many are glad to exercise the gifts of the Holy Ghost? You see, that's when I get into my prayer closet and I'm speaking in tongues and I'm hearing the voice of the Lord and the Spirit of God is stirring and moving my heart. I know that I belong to God. Oh, I wish I had somebody right there just get excited. Thank God that he says, you're my bride. You're my bride. I could quote this verse. This is what he says. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until what? The redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That is marriage talk, baby. That is God saying, I, I'm giving to you a gift that should produce in you a confidence that you are mine. That I don't want you to lose hope because, you see, I'm going to go to prepare a place. You see, back in biblical times, when they would find that bride, the, the, the groom would go back to his father's house. And it is said that off the side of the house of his father, would he make another chamber, another house, another room so that he could go back and get his bride. Didn't Jesus tell us this? Let not your heart be troubled. This is marriage talk. This is marriage talk. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again to receive you unto myself. Ah, ah, that where he is, we will be also. Oh, how glorious. You see, that's marriage talk. Do you remember Jesus they asked Jesus, well, wh when are you coming back? Anybody remember this? See, Matthew 24, they asked him, what will be the sign of your appearing? And Jesus said, listen, no man knoweth the hour nor the day, not even the angels in heaven. He says, what? But my father only. You know why he says that? Because it's the custom in a Jewish marriage that it would be the father, once everything was prepared, to tell the son, go get the bride. You see, when they heard that, they understood what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about coming back, that God would say, go get the bride. Ah, oh, that marvelous? This is marriage talk. We just don't perceive it because we don't know the custom. See, only God would say to his son, okay, everything's ready. Everything's done. Go get her. Do, do, do you know that the custom was that, that, that all of the, the, the groom and the groomsmen, they would go to the city gate with the shofars. And they would come at midnight. You didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that in biblical times, when a groom was going back to get his bride, he didn't go to her house and knock on the door. He went to the city gate with the shofars, and they began to blow the trumpets. St. Matthew 25. Jesus then gives the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were fools. You see, five kept the gift going. Five were stirred in the gift. The other five thought it worthless. You see, the ones that were stirred in their giftings, 
believed that Jesus was coming again. What does it say? The bridegroom is here. And what it was, the custom was, the bride, the bride and her bridesmaids would then come and meet her husband at the city gate as they blow the trumpets. And where would they go? Back to what they call a chupa, right? The chamber. And the, the best man would stand outside. You know, you know, John the Baptist says that he standeth and heareth, right? And once the consummation was made, they would all come out dancing and celebrating to go into what they call the marriage supper. Do you know that we're about to go to the marriage supper? Does somebody hear that, man? We're going to go into the chamber of the Most High. We're going to celebrate as the bride of Christ, our groom, our husband. Do you get that? Do you get that? Our husband. I'm glad the worship team finished a little sooner than normal because I wasn't even planning on giving you that. But I just wanted you to see just how intimate this thing is with God. I want you to see that you have a bride. And you have a groom. Apostle Paul said that, that, that even back into the first pages of the Bible, right, when God gave to Adam a woman. And what did Adam do when he saw her? He says, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. The Bible says, for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Isn't this what, what, what Paul teaches us in Ephesians 5? Except he says this, and this is a profound mystery. But I speak in respect to the church, to Christ and the church. What is he saying? He understands the umbrella. This is about getting married. This is about having a bride and a groom come together. And brother and sister, when you open up your Bible, if you're not reading your Bible as the bride of Christ, you're not reading it right. And when you begin to understand the intimacies of God and God's heart towards you, that he's after you and he wants to be faithful to you. How many know that our God is faithless even when we're not faithful because he can't deny himself? Our God is going to be faithful to the marital contract he's made with us. He's coming again. Why? Because he left the gift in me. He's going to redeem me. I'm going to be redeemed of the Lord. Why? Because the gift of God resides in me. You just have to receive that. Now to the text. St. <laughs> John chapter 4. Do you know that there's no greater recorded conversation in all of the Bible with God than in St. John chapter 4? St. John chapter 4 is more than just a story. It is a symbol of the church in Jesus. Could I suggest to you, any of you that know your Bible, knows that God normally meets his wife at the well. <laughs> Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? You're here because somebody met at the well, not at the club, not at church, not at the park, not at school. God sends his sons to meet his women at the well. If you don't think so, ask Moses, ask Abraham, ask Jacob. That's where we find Rachel, Rebecca. That's where we find Zipper in the Bible. God meets his babies at the well. It just so happened, it's so odd to see that God is choosing somebody that's got some problems. <laughs> and just as the prophet said, a, a woman of your youth who's been forsaken, a woman grieved in spirit, he's going to find her. 
I, I want you to see the prophet Isaiah 54, 5 being fulfilled in St. John chapter 4. He's going after the worst of them. I, I want you to find the uniqueness in the story because the woman is a representation of the Gentile. She represents us at the well. She's even amazed, I love this, that Jesus would even talk to her. You ever been amazed that God even talked to you? I wish I had somebody right there that would say, you know, Pastor, I just got to say it, say, it, say it plainly. I'm just so glad that God, that God picked me out of all the people in the world. I mean, I mean, I was the worst one of them all, and yet it was God who came and spoke with me. Do I got a witness right there to say, I want to thank the Lord right now that, 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 that he spoke to me when he didn't have to speak to me at all. He could have left me to myself to die the death that I so rightly deserve. But God, but God, look past all my stuff. And saw enough to purchase me with his blood. I, I like the way Peter said, for as much as you know that you've not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. <laughs> what? You've been redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb. As a lamb without blemish and without spot. Do you hear the marital language in it? That God went and found you. You weren't even expecting him. Uh, he's the one that talked to you. You see, he loved you first. He loved you first. He moved past all the prejudices and issues of the day and all the stuff that could have kept Jesus from talking. And Jesus says, will you give me something to drink? The woman is somewhat surprised that somebody like a rabbi, a, a Jesus, would even talk to him. She says, I'm surprised that you're even talking to me. You know, understand? I'm a woman. I'm a woman of Samaria, and the Jews have no dealings with him. And then what did Jesus say? Listen to the marital language. If you understood the gift of God. You see, I'm, I'm here looking for a bride. I've been sent of God with a gift to deposit in you. Oh, y'all ain't getting that, CC. See, that went past you right there. Let me, let me say it one more time. Jesus, the first thing Jesus tells her of consequence, this, this woman is the only person to whom Jesus offered the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the very evidence that you and I both claim, the way that I know when people say, well, how do you know that Jesus rose from the dead? I say, I know that he rose from the dead because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That's how I know he got rose up. I, I know he rose because I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said it, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go, for if I do not go, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I'll tell the Father, and I'll send him to you. And what is he going to do? He's going to glorify me. He's going to take a mind and show it unto you. I'm married to my father. I'm married to, I'm married to the greatest groom. I would suppose that, you know, I, I know it's odd because, you know, I think ladies have maybe a little bit more intimacy in that regard to know what it is to have a husband. I, I think, ladies, you understand the value of having a good husband. I get an amen on that. Like, like if you got a good one, you want to keep them, right? Is that kind of the general concept? I mean, if you got a good one. You want to keep him. Hello, somebody. Let me say it one more time. You got a good one. Yeah. You want to keep him. 
But I enter into this equation because this is the body of Christ. This is the church. This is his bride. He said, man, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that asketh of you, you see, you would have asked him for a drink of living water. Isn't this the transaction that he makes? Isn't this what the bridegroom brings? The fullness of the expression of the Holy Spirit? Isn't this what he's doing? Isn't this how he replicates himself? Isn't this, in fact, the truth that when the Holy Spirit comes, now we're one with God because of the gift of the bridegroom? Uh. You heard her. Are you greater than the, than the man, Jacob, who gave us this well? Are you, 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 you greater than the one who even his children and his cattle drank of this? What did Jesus say? Man, please. Anyone who drinks from this water be thirsty again. But the water that I give, you see the gift that I bring? See, if you take a sip of that... You'll never be thirsty again. I mean, this stuff will satisfy you. This, th- th- this, is, this is consummation. This is intimacy. This is fulfillment. This is, a, this is the fullness of God dwelling in you. For know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is all of God embodied in you. Come on, somebody. And, and I just want you to hear it. She said, man, listen. I want that kind of water. I don't want to come back here having to drink some water. Go ahead and give me some of that drink. And just so you know that I'm not imbibing upon the scriptures, that I'm talking about a marital covenant. What does Jesus say? Go call your husband and come hither. And what does she say? I don't have no husband. I don't have no husband. Now, 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 now let me stop and, and, and take you back to the Old Testament. We know uh, even Jesus speaking uh, to the people of his day when they asked him about how Jesus felt about divorce. And, and it, was, it was Jesus who was confronted with this contradiction of the Pharisees back to Jesus by saying it was Moses who gave that writ of divorcement. It was Moses who did it. Uh, but, 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 but Jesus said, listen, he wrote that out of the hardness of your own hearts. Uh, notice that, that a writ of divorcement was given to a man to divorce his wife, not a wife divorcing her husband. And in those days, a man could divorce his wife because she was to him like a possession. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. I know all them feminists going to turn me off right there. I don't want to hear no more about that man talking about possessions. But I'm here to tell you the truth. In the Old Testament, a wife was considered a possession of the husband. Now, that may not sound too good if your husband's bad. But what if your husband's really good? Oh, y'all didn't hear what I'm saying, you know, but, but, but we'll keep going because I can already see you staring at me all hard and indifferent, but just trying to teach you some concepts here. That women didn't divorce the husband, the husband divorced the wife, and in fact, he could divorce her for any, really any reason. I, I, I want you to see this woman coming into a marital arrangement, coming into these conversations only to find that she was never good enough. There was always some fault, some situation, something that five husbands left her. 
I've heard people suppose that, well, maybe she had committed adultery, and because of that, then her husband. But husband's not going to marry a wife divorced from adultery because he brings shame unto himself. This woman had been denied in her youth. You see, she was simply refused. She was forsaken. And you see what happened was she was grieved in her spirit. In fact, she was so grieved that she decided it was better to shack up than to get married. <laughs> Who were you shacking up with when you met Jesus? <laughs> you, 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 you say, well, I wasn't even talking to nobody. Yeah, you were. May not have been a man, but the world was talking to you. Think of all the things that we embraced and the way that we were living. We were living outside of ourselves. We were like brute beasts in the field, acting instinctually upon every emotion, upon every measure in our heart, right? We were lost. You said well that you had no husband. But you were lost nonetheless. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you. This woman identified real fast. She says, oh, I perceive you to be a prophet. Notice how Jesus is kind of walking her up. She wants to know how to worship. And Jesus said, listen, the Father's not looking for a place to worship. He's looking for truth to worship. You know, I would suppose a lot of you don't really know the truth about God. One, that your God's a spirit. Do, do, do you know that God is everywhere all the time? He's omniscient. You know how he's omniscient? Because he's spirit. He's everywhere all the time. He's yesterday, today, and tomorrow simultaneously. He's omniscient. It is said that God gets there before he gets there. Brothers and sisters, do you know how awesome the Father is? Do, 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 do you know, listen, of all the things that God could have chosen to reveal himself by, do you realize that God is glorious and could choose to reveal himself by his glory? And in fact, he did that with the nation of Israel. For the Bible says that when God, when the glory of God appeared on the mount as like a fiery furnace, a burning flame, a devouring fire, it was so in the eyes of the children of Israel, they were terrified of God. And in fact, when God appeared, they ran away. God could have chosen his holiness. You never would have approached him. But what does he do? The Father in heaven, God above, comes to you as a man seeking a fiance. As a husband looking for a bride. With all the tenderness that that implies, that is God. Finally came around where Jesus gets into the conversations about how to worship that she comes to and she remembers what's been prophesied. You see, when the Messiah's come, he will tell us all things. I am he that speaketh with you. And I love the Bible says, she left her water pot. I went back to her village and said, come and see the man that told me everything about me. You see, because he knows you. Thank you, Lord. When you pray in Jesus' name, 
you speak as his bride. Let me say that again. You lost it. Because this is intimate conversation. You see, you see, if the first lady says something, even though it's not me, she speaks as though she were me. Uh, if you don't think that's true, just call the IRS because we have to file a joint return. You see, they, her money is my money. My money is her money. Uh, my voice is her voice. Her voice is my voice. The way I'm living affects the way she's living. The way she's living affects the way I'm living. The way I sleep, the, the way she sleeps, the way she sleeps, the way I sleep. We have the same pillows, the same blankets. You know, we're, we're, we're enmeshed. We're one. And brothers and sisters, until you get a hold of that, you're not going to serve God as you should. You're not going to hear the intimacy of the voice of the Lord when he speaks to you as, as, as a groom speaks to his bride. When you read your Bible, read it as though God is sharing with you a love story and the sacrifice that he paid to draw you close to himself. You see, this woman, I, I, I'll say this to go even a little bit further. This woman is identified in Greek Orthodox theology as a woman by the name of Fatani. Uh, she is considered a, a, a woman who became one of the greatest evangelists, women evangelists of her day. Do you know that she was martyred? Listen to this. She was martyred. This is what Greek Orthodox tradition teaches. That the woman that Jesus met at the well, the symbol of the church, was martyred by being thrown into a dry well. But she was a life spring, living water. I don't know, at times, I'll stop here because the Spirit of the Lord was talking to me this week. I was sharing this with the First Lady, and I'm going to share something in this series, this, this thought. I want you to hold on to this. I'm not sure if you understand just how close Jesus is coming. His coming is to taking his bride back home. In fact, if you love Jesus as you say you do, you'll be waiting on him. We know we get the admonition, blessed are they who, who are waiting on the return uh, it's Maranatha in our spirit. Why? Because we're waiting for the groom to come back. Uh, traditionally speaking, the groom would be gone about a year. Just so happened that he's been gone two years. I'm here to tell you he's coming back really soon. Jesus said the danger is the love of many is going to wax cold. Has your love been waxing cold? Has your love for the groom waxed cold? And friend, you've got to ask that question. Because there's ten virgins. You see, they're all chaste to the degree, except only five of those had their lamps trimming. They had their oils filled. They were ready. They were expecting the bridegroom to appear. And when the trumpet sounded, the other five said, please, please give us some of your oil. They said, no, no, no. This is something I can't give you. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get the Holy Ghost off for yourself. I can't give you that. I tell my wife, all oh, that I hurt for my church, because I see many of the church already cold into the things of God. You've, you've grown cold. 
You're not serving with fervency. You don't have a heat to you. You don't have a conversation that reflects that you're waiting on Jesus. You, you've assimilated into the world. The world has overtaken you. you. You've become a patron here. The Bible says we are but pilgrims, strangers passing through this place. Why? Because we've got a home. We've got a place. Jesus is coming again. He's the bridegroom. Today I celebrate the bridegroom putting in me the beautifulness of the Spirit of God. Do, do, do you know that the Spirit of the Lord will keep the flame burning? Yes. Let me say that again. Do you know that the Spirit of God will keep the flame burning? The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Do you know how important it is that you exercise the gifts of the Spirit in your life? Do you know how important that is? That we're constantly exercising the Spirit, seeing through the Spirit, talking through the Spirit. Why? Because we're expecting Him to come. And I want to keep my life hot for Jesus. You see, when He comes and finds me, you know what He's going to tell me? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom which was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Why? Because I keep my life hot. Hot. You say hot. Look, look. The Father says this. I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. Because at least cold water has a benefit. Anybody like cold water? I like cold water. How many like lukewarm water? I'm having trouble with people that say, "Give give me room temperature. I'm like, ooh, why would you want that? Nobody wants room temperature. You either want hot water or cold water. I don't want lukewarm water. God said, I want you hot. He's the bridegroom. You know what? Jesus is hot for you. I'm hot for him. Look, stand to your feet. We're we're, we're, we're closing. We've got, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. This is perfect. When we tell you this is a relationship, I just, I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment. It's, it's 10 to 12. We, we've got time to just, just let this saturate. I want you to marinate in this thought that you are God's purchased possession. He bought you with a terrible price. You see, the ancient tradition was that the gift that was left was contingent upon the wealth of the Father. Do you know that when God surveyed all of heaven, he gave you the greatest gift he could give you, and that was his son? Let me say that again. When God surveyed all of heaven, he gave to you the greatest gift of wealth that he could give you, and that was his son. Do do you know that when they came, they gave you the greatest gift they could ever give you? And that was the gift of the Holy Ghost. That both in the person and in the spirit had been purchased of God. Will you kind of tap your chest today and say, I'm I'm the bride of Jesus. I want you to think that through. I want you to think that through. That I'm now one 
Paul says, behold, this is a profound mystery. Two shall become one. But I speak in respect of Christ in the church because this is the symbol of our marriage, the consummation that I've been purchased of the Lord. I belong to God. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm, I am the bride of Christ. I speak for him. I speak because of him. I live because of him. I have reason because of him. I am loved because of him. Brother and sister, when you go out into the world and you see things amiss, you say to yourself, well, who am I to speak anything here? Who, who am I to think that I could command a blessing or say a thing or uh, 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 declare a blessing? Or who am I to tell sickness to be uprooted, to be gone, to lose somebody from their infirmity, to turn around and declare the goodness, the hand of God? Who am I? Brother and sister, you are the bride. You are the bride of Christ. The bridegroom bought you. He found you. He brought you into his bosom. He's given you a drink of living water that will be in you a wellspring of life and ability. Brothers and sisters, if you're not talking as the bride, who will? If you're not reading your Bible as a bride would read it, see, if, if today when you read your Bible, when you get back into the pages, when you begin to look through it, if you begin to see yourself as the bride, then the words that you read will sound like a love letter, will sound like a commissioning, will sound like an agency to you. If you read it as no one or as just some religious thinker, it won't have impact upon you. Today I come before you as the man of God and I urge you to be the bride you were called to be. I speak to the five unwise virgins in here. Though you be very chaste. You see a chaste virgin, you, you, you've got all the disciplines down. You, you're doing all the things you should, except you're not in relationship. And today God has sent me to you to say it's time. The coming, the, the, the coming of the Son of Man, the, the, my release of my son to go get his bride. Go get his bride is at hand. 